guest today is Tom Glynn, the newly appointed chair of the MBTA Board of Directors. Mr. Glynn is new to the T-Board, but he is not new to big, complex organizations. Over the course of his career, he has served as Deputy Secretary of Labor under Bill Clinton, General Manager of the MBTA under Mike Dukakis, CEO of the Massachusetts Port Authority, and the head of Harvard University's Alston Land Company. Tom, what made you want to return the, to the T, particularly at such a low point for the Transit Authority? Uh, well, I have to give credit to uh, Governor Healy. She's a very persuasive person, and uh, I raised a couple of concerns, and she addressed them. And, uh, you know, it's obviously one of the most important institutions in our community. So, um, you know, having the chance to contribute and maybe help a little bit, um, you know, was an attraction. But the main reason really was uh, Governor Healy was very persuasive in her um, uh, conversations with me about uh, the opportunity to, to make a difference. And tell us a little bit about that conversation. You said you had some concerns, but also uh, you, I imagine there's been, it have, would have to be a discussion about what's the role of the T-Board. And just to give our listeners a little preface to that, the, the, there was a board before this one called the Fiscal and Manage Management Control Board that was formed in 2015 after Snowmageddon shut down the Transit Authority for several days. And it was a very uh, engaged, a lot of time spent by this board on getting the T back on its feet. And then it went out of existence and was replaced by a new board in the fall of 2021. And that board saw its role as being more reactive, stepping back and letting the T do what it needs to do. And now you're coming in in that same board framework. Uh, but what do you, are you somewhere in between? Where do you lean as, as to what you want this board to do? Well, you know, I think that um, looking back kind of historically, as you say, there have been different formulations over the years. When I ran the T, the secretary was the board chair, and now the secretary is a member of the board, but, you know, not the board chair. Um, so there have been different, you know, different theories about how to best organize it. Um, but, you know, I think that um, the governor has indicated, you know, that she wants an activist board. She wants a proactive board. She wants a board that's focused on safety and a board that's focused on accountability. Um, and I think, you know, the people that she selected uh, are consistent with that. Certainly Senator McGee, you know, her former uh, co-chair of the Transportation Committee in the legislature and former mayor has a lot of experience in hearings and asking questions and stuff. And uh, uh, so, you know, it's probably going to be a little bit more of a proactive, but the the previous board, I mean, Betsy Taylor is my predecessor as chair. She's one of the most respected people in transportation finance in the country. So, I mean, it was a solid group before, but, you know, new administration, new energy. And so I think you're going to see a little bit more of a proactive approach. Um, maybe, like you said, you know, a little bit in between the most recent board and the financial management control board, which met weekly and which, you know, uh, some people felt in in terms of looking at it, that it was maybe a little bit of an intense um, involvement um, and the staff had a hard time following up on the decisions that were made and getting ready for the next meeting a week later. So this is, is more the traditional model of meeting once a month. 
So um, this this week will be your first actual board meeting, but a week or so ago, there was the subcommittees of the board met, and you were on two of those, and the two members that joined with you are also on. And it seemed to, as someone who's a longtime observer, it did seem quite different uh, at that uh, at those subcommittee meetings. Uh, members were asking lots of questions. Uh, there was talk about, do we need to spend more time uh, on, I think on the financial subcommittee. Um, there was a lot of, you know, uh, let's get something done here. Let's figure out how we can help. Um, and I assume that's that set the tenor for what's coming. Yeah, no, I would agree with your characterization. I mean, I did talk to each of the members beforehand to kind of get their assessment of how they wanted things to proceed. And, um, you know, that was consistent with a kind of a more activist approach. Plus, with any new board, you're going to have, you know, more questions because people are on a learning curve. Um, so in a way, it's a little uh, unfair to compare the, the last meeting of the previous board with the first meeting of our board, but I, I do think that we've been encouraged to be more um, engaged and and have a, the sense of urgency which the passengers feel. Yeah, and um, you you asked a few questions at that financial meeting. That um, so I'm used to the board members sort of asking questions about whatever's been presented, but you just asked sort of questions that you were interested in getting answers to. And one of them was how much big dig debt the T is carrying today. Right. Explain why you asked that. Well, a number of people have asked me. Um, and so I was kind of putting that issue on the table. Um, I think, you know, a rough um, analysis because uh, the staff is kind of digging into it now. So uh, originally, the T had about $3.6 billion of big, big debt. So for example, this year, uh, there's about a $400 million deficit, and $200 million of that $400 million is because of the big, big debt, which it's still paying off. And the T still owes about a billion dollars in big, big debt. So some people feel that while some of the debt was incurred to do things that were helpful to the T, some of it was incurred to be helpful to balance the books on the big dick. Um, and since we're in a different financial time now than we were when those decisions were made, is that something worth taking a look at? So I just wanted to you know, kind of put that question on the table and give the staff a chance to uh, you know, kind of sort through and see what they came back with. Um, it's the kind of thing that, you know, people who have been following transportation for a long, long time would be familiar, but a lot of new folks, you know, wouldn't really be aware, might be a little bit surprised that there was big, big debt on the T books and that it was a, such a significant contributor to the T financial situation. Yeah, the, um, it, I, I, I was aware of it, but I didn't know any details. And I remember looking up and uh, so as part of the mitigation for the big dig, uh, the T was part of an effort, probably fairly broad effort, to reduce traffic uh, in, in a number of ways. Right. So I guess that was the rationale for why the T should absorb some of the debt related to the project. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of inside baseball here. I mean, there was the original agreement from December of 1990 with CLF, between CLF and the Secretariat, 
that laid out a number of mitigation measures. And then this decision, which was made in the mid 90s, um, was involved in kind of ratifying some of those earlier commitments, but also trying to figure out, you know, how to close the books on the big dig. And so the Turnpike, you know, had some obligations, the DN obligations, Massport had obligations. So they were just trying to spread it around so they could say that, you know, the books were, uh, were being closed. So there were kind of two elements. I got you. Uh, and, and is the thought sort of kicking around the back of your head that maybe the state should pick that up and and as a sort of support for the T? Yeah, I don't think that's a position that we've taken, but I know that's a position of some of the experts and advocates around town. But we haven't really discussed it, and we, you know, we're still gathering the facts. Okay. Um, I, I think it's being asked by some of the experts and advocates, you know, with that in the back of their minds. And what's your sense coming in of the T's financial status? Because I think you're going to be approving a budget this coming at this coming meeting, or at least giving tentative approval to it. Um, what what's your sense of the T's financial status, and and is and is the does the board need to sort of focus on this issue pretty quickly? Yeah, I mean it's not perfect that you know we have to vote so quickly after we got appointed, but um, you know it'll either be this meeting or there may be a special meeting uh, on June eighth if we don't get through all the analysis um, on the May twenty fifth meeting. Um, but you know, it's a, probably the biggest single responsibility we have is voting for the budget and voting for the capital budget. Um, so we want to make sure we get it right. Um, and uh, you know, the budget reflects people's priorities and, and, and aspirations. So people pay a lot of attention to it. And um, you know, there's some significant changes under uh, Governor Healy. You know, about half of the increase. It's a little bit more than six percent increase, but about half of it's for safety, you know, including adding um, about six hundred positions that would be focused on, you know, safety issues. Um, so that's a, you know, that's a big change. Um, there's also five million dollars that Governor Healy proposed for a um, discounted fare analysis. How would we really pull that off? So that's kind of a shift from uh, from the past. There's 176 new positions, so the Green Line extension can be fully staffed. So um, you know there are a number of things in there that are that are different. So we want to make sure everybody's had a chance to take a look at it. The questions that I was asking that you referenced before, so one was about the T police to make sure they are fully funded, and another question I asked was about elevators and escalators, and that's a perennial issue at the T, and you want to make sure that we have enough funding because. You know, if an escalator or an elevator is out of service, they can deny somebody access. You know, I was recently at the Charles MGH station, and there was a woman in a wheelchair, and I was praying that the elevator would work, um, and which it did. Um, but, you know, if the elevator didn't work, then what's that woman going to do? So, you know, these are issues that, you know, affect our, our passengers, and we need to try to, you know, protect them from uh, the ups and downs. So I know there's the budget for the current fiscal year, but um, the T always somehow seems to scrape enough money together. Either they don't fill all the positions they're planning to fill, or they're using federal money, or they're 
shifting funds around in some way that they're able to balance their budget. But the prediction is coming that it's going to go in and slip into deficit, probably, unless there's some big turnaround in uh, ridership. Um, it's going to slip into deficit in the coming years. It could be quite large, depending on what happens with ridership. Is it your role to sort of advocate with the legislature, or is it just your role to tell the governor what you think as a board uh, that we need to do? Well, I think that's really up to the general manager, Phil Ang, who's doing a great job. You know, he arrived pretty recently, but um, I think he's really, you know, hit the ground running. And, you know, and the secretary to figure out what role, if any, they want us to play in the advocacy. I mean, that can be part of our portfolio, but it really needs to be based on kind of whatever their game plan is with the governor. I think if if they asked us to do something, we could be helpful. You know, Mayor Koch from Quincy, Eric Goodwine from Worcester, Tom McGee from Lynn, you know, we have a pretty good geographic distribution of, uh, of folks who have, you know, different um, relationships with different decision makers. So it, it could be, but it's really up to to Phil and the secretary and the governor to figure out what they what they want us to do. Well, I'm, I'm going to push a little bit on that for them to figure out what you should do. You're the board, though. Um, you know, the secretary is part of your board. You're the chair of that board. Uh, the general manager reports, in a, in a sense, to the board and to the uh, secretary of transportation. So it does seem like your portfolio, it, you don't have to necessarily do whatever the governor wants you to do. You can, you have a portfolio to, to oversee the T. Um, and I'm pushing back a little bit on that notion. Well, well, I mean, what you say is theoretically the case. I just think at the moment, there are no indications that there's anything other than total agreement between the board that just got appointed, general manager, secretary, lieutenant governor, and governor. So, um, you know, I mean, the governor has made the tea a priority. She talks about it. She's visited facilities. Um, I know it comes up, you know, at most of her public events. Um, and uh, so, you know, it's not, you know, sometimes in the past, the tea was a low priority in some administrations, but it just isn't the case in this administration. So I wouldn't foresee uh, any real major disagreements. Um, and and yet I have yet to sort of see a longer term plan for how the T is going to, I mean, Philibang is, is, is struggling to fill enormous number of jobs. Uh, there's all sorts of operational issues that are, he's trying to deal with. Um, that are probably hampering efforts to get people back riding the T. So right. he's he's got that on his plate. Uh, but I I have yet to see some sort of long term plan for um, does the you know some advocates say the T needs a lot more money and needs dedicated funds so it can do this and this and this and that. Others maybe say it's okay with the way it is. I, I I'm I'm not really sensing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's broad agreement that there is some kind of a fiscal cliff coming in 2026, whether it's the MBTA Advisory Board or the Mass Taxpayers Foundation or the Better City or, you know, broadly and across the spectrum, as you say. Um, and I, you know, 
that's going to require a conversation. Um, Jim Rooney at the Greater Boston Chamber had proposed a mobility commission to kind of take a broader look. Um, so, you know, I think that's, you know, that's in the cards. I would say, because uh, I've talked to the general manager, Aang, you know, a couple of times about this. He is intending to kind of lay out after the first 90, 100 days kind of a, of a game plan, um, which, you know, will, will hopefully address the some of the issues that you were raising about the longer term financial situations. Um, so, you know, I think there's a strong team in place at the T, you know, in terms of the financial analytics and um, prescriptions. So um, I, I, I think he, he knows that's part of his portfolio. And I think he was planning to, to put something on the table in, you know, in pretty near term. Okay. And do you have a sense um, uh, of where the T is on this whole issue with slow zones? Uh, I know they're starting to attack them through various closures and what have you, but I, I have yet to sort of hear a sort of, we're going to be done with this by XYZ date or really any sort of timetable for things. Have you gotten any briefing like that? I mean, I would say we've gotten kind of uh, a down payment on a briefing. Um, I know he's spending a lot of time sorting that all out um, because, you know, there's the blue line, the orange line, the red line. He's got a, you know, each one of those has a separate story. Um, and I know that it's very frustrating for the passengers uh, and the public in general. Um, so, uh, but he needs to be the one to, to kind of put a plan on the table that people can react to. And I know, and I know he's working on that, but I haven't been briefed in any amount of detail to be able to speculate on how that might look from a timetable point of view. Um, and I guess I'm just sort of echoing a little frustration because you probably know this story as well as better than I do, uh, that um, this sort of issue of things being wrong with the rails surfaced sort of inadvertently through a request for some records backing up uh, some scans of the rails. And suddenly there was concern that they didn't have any backup and, or whether these rail scans were ever acted upon or what have you. And it appears that there, there were scans and there were things that turned up wrong. And, and initially they shut almost the entire, not shut down, but slowed down almost the entire T. And then they've opened up a larger, large chunk of it and now are working on smaller sections, um, which is gonna take time, it, it looks like. But still no word on how this came about uh, and how long, the rails were in, a, in bad shape and we were riding along fast. Um, it, it seems like there should be some answers by this point. No, am I wrong about that? No, I think Phil is putting that together. I mean, he has the same questions that you have and that the passengers have. Um, you know, I think that uh, the increased scrutiny is, you know, is a good thing, but it makes people, you know, want to double and triple check as they should. So in that instance, you know, people may have seen some things that, um, you know, they felt needed to be addressed in a more timely fashion. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's one of the biggest 
frustrations is slow zones and then the, the lack of a clear sense of when they may be resolved. And as I say, I, you know, I know he's working on that. I, I know he has meetings on it every day. So um, he wants to be able to present a plan of you know, when it's going to get resolved and then explain kind of why it came to be. Well, they, they hired someone to do a why it, why it happened analysis, I think, uh, on a 90-day contract. Um, and I guess that's still going on. Um, uh, I don't know. Maybe these things take time. I guess they do. Um, well, I mean, they, yeah, I mean, they do. But, you know, I, I think it's reasonable for the, you know, the traveling public and passengers to, you know, want some answers. And I think that's, you know, his intention is to try to provide those answers and to try to make sure that we can stand by them um, and that they, you know, will turn out to be what's promised and not kind of over-promising or feeling that there's pressure. So let's, you know, try to come up with something that is, um, isn't, you know, it's probably going to happen, but it isn't definite and then it doesn't happen. And then, you know, there's a credibility issue because, you know, obviously this administration is very committed to transparency. And I think they, you know, indicated that in a number of different ways. And, you know, and Phil is very comfortable with that. So he, um, you know, he's working to answer these questions. Okay. So let me just ask you another little question about the board itself. Yeah. Um, uh, my memory serves uh, the House proposed a slight tweak to the board. Um, uh, and one of the changes would be allowing the city of Boston to have a representative on the board. Right. Uh, that's obviously, it was a part of a budget document. So who knows whether where that will end up in the end. But do you think the city of Boston should have a seat on the board? Well, you know, there's um, there's a, a couple of different aspects to that question. So, um, you know, when I was at the T, I talked to the city of Boston, Rick Domino, a couple times a week. They might, you know, I talked to him more than I talked to, you know, most of the board members. So there are different ways of, you know, having a, a, an influence on the decision making. Um, obviously, the mayor's made that a priority, and the governor has indicated an openness to looking at the legislation if it in fact passes. Um, you know, I think that the tricky thing and why some folks, you know, were not as enthusiastic in the earlier instance that you were citing is there's a notion that when you're on the board, you're representing the interests of the whole team. So if the board becomes a constituency-driven organization, then does that change the way it's supposed to function? Um, so a lot depends on, you know, who ends up sitting in the seats. Um, and the other issue that came up before was the question, well, if you're adding, you need to have an odd number so you don't have ties. So if you're going to add one, you need to add two. And what other criteria for that second seat? Um, and I think in the first go round, it was kind of an open uh, seat. And then the more recent thinking is it would represent the other 170 cities and towns. Um, so, but again, that's slides a little bit more in the direction of a constituency approach. So, you know, these are legitimate, you know, policy issues that need to get sorted out, you know, in the 
legislature and with the governor and the mayor. But um, you know, I think there's there's a reasonable argument for for um, for taking a look at it for sure. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because um, Ray LaHood, the former U.S. Secretary of Transportation, who did a safety analysis for the T in 2019, I believe, he was, I think last year, testified that he doesn't like those constituency boards because oh. uh, for the very reason you mentioned that it's, they're looking out for their, whoever they represent and not the whole T. Um, yeah, there's a danger that, that it's not an automatic, but it's not automatic. that's yeah. the danger. Yeah, yeah. But the other, the flip side is that uh, right now you, uh, aside from uh, a representative from the MBTA advisory board, which is uh, currently the mayor of Quincy, right? It's it's all gubernatorial appointees, so it's it's sort of a. The question is whether they, you know, this is enough critical thinking about what's going on. Uh, I'm I'm sure that came up with. With the Healy administration wondering whether what was Baker's board doing? Why why weren't they doing more than they should, were? Uh, something like that. But they all work for the governor, so that's the criticism. The other way that they really don't want to step out of line if uh, if until the governor says it's okay. Uh, so it, this independence or constituency representative is very an interesting dynamic, I think, uh, especially on a authority in crisis. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think it really does depend on who you pick. And there are certainly people that the mayor could select, you know, who have a lot of experience, you know, in transportation and with boards and stuff. Um, and we kind of see the broader set of responsibilities. And yeah, other boards, you know, have the same kind of dynamic. Um, but so it just needs to get sorted out in the legislative process and with the governor. But um, uh, you know, I think it's it's a it's a it's high profile on the on the radar screen. So, you know, I think um, as you pointed out, it passed in the House before, um, and uh, you know, I think the current thinking is a little bit different. So maybe it'll be more acceptable from the Senate point of view. All right. Well, Tom Glenn, thank you very much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. And uh, good, all the best to you at the, as chair of the MBTA board. Thank you very much. Thanks for the chance to uh, talk a little bit about some of the uh, hopes and aspirations. And to our listeners, we'll see you again next week. Thanks. Thanks.